Welcome to the Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills Resort, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austed's Golf. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak. And this is the first tee on the golf show, coming to you from KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. I am Jeff Kolpak, your host for the rest of summer and into football season. The golf show, as always, talking all things golf. Pleased to be joined. First of all, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Tim Doppler. He's the executive director of the North Dakota Golf Association. Tim is always a great guest and gives us a scope on how things are going statewide in addition to youth, um, adult golf, and, 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 and the state of the game, if you will, in, in North Dakota. But first and foremost, joined by a longtime guest, when Corey Herlickson first joined me on the golf show, I think he was afraid of a microphone. Now he could host it. He's been so good. He's now the head professional out at Oxbow Country Club. But before we get into golf, Corey, um, I've been told that uh, you need to get your prescription uh, uh, refilled on as far as your eyeglasses. Uh, the, the, the wrestling referees, there, there's, some, there's some angst with some wrestlers in the studio. Yeah. You know, you know oh, I've been oh. wondering, you know, if you've gotten that fixed since you made your move, is the is the vision plan better at Oxbow? I'm just kind of curious about that. The vision plan better. No, yeah. no, it's not. I think it's <laughs> than my last. No, I, I'm teasing you. This is obviously Derek Hansen, but I, I yeah, do. Yeah. I always love that. Chatting with you at Wrestling Meets, that'd be a weird year this year, but I always appreciate all the work that you've done as a wrestling referee. It's a thankless job, but they can't have tournaments without you guys, so. Yeah, I, I love doing it, so it's always fun to talk to you too, Derek. You know, it's a pretty good actual dual thing because golf here is spring, summer, and fall, and really to take up your time and do something for the community, Corey, and seriously, that that's a big deal. How much do you enjoy that? I love it. I really do. I mean, if I could do it every single weekend and do a couple duels a week, I would do it every weekend and do multiple duels or tries a week, but uh, I've got an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a wife who uh, want to every once in a while so i tried to uh cut back a little bit on it but you know it's just you know the best it's, it's the best seat in the house i mean you're literally right there right next to the wrestlers and you get an opportunity to uh you know assist some young men and young women uh that are, are out there competing and learning about teamwork learning great life lessons that wrestling can teach you and enjoying it uh, at the same time and you know if you get razzed by some fans sometimes it's fun to kind of laugh inside your head when you him yelling that the guy's stuck and you're like hey, <laughs> you can't even see his back man you're on the opposite side of the mat He's not stuck. You know, nope. nice little chuckle and, and, and some you know a fellow officials we always like getting together afterwards and talking a little bit of mat talk about what went on for the day so it's just a good group of guys to work with and it's a great thing to do for the sport and I, I love wrestling as passionately as i love golf um, so I'm just more than happy to do it. Well, again, we appreciate you doing it because, I mean, the, I think we always take for granted the high school officials. They're not getting rich doing it, but you can't have high school sports without it, so I do appreciate it. You have a, yourself a great summer, Corey. 
All right. Thanks, Derek. So what's tougher, managing a very controversial golf ruling in a tournament or trying to figure out if a guy's stuck with three seconds left in the match? <laughs> well, if if there's a, a rules uh, question that, in, that comes up, if you said similar things in wrestling and golf, the easier one to settle, actually, Jeff, is the golf one. And I learned this when I was going to my level two school for my professional golf management that I did when I was going through the program to become a PGA member. One of the instructors said, whatever you do, do not ever make the ruling yourself Hmm. because it could be a bet between two members that could be worth $5 or could be worth $5,000. If you personally make that decision, even if it's right, you're going to make someone upset and you're going to make someone happy. But that one who's upset might not. It could be a board member. It could be someone who decides that they made you mad or you made them mad and they have a vendetta against you. The way that he said to handle it, and it's how I handle it, mm-hmm. someone comes up and says, hey, 18th hole, ball went in the water, da-da-da-da-da. I always say, let's see what the rule book says. And I open up the rule book okay. to the point in the book where it's at, and I read it to him from the rule book. Then it's not me making the decision. It's the rule book making the decision. Now, in wrestling, we don't have time for that. Yeah. So I've got to have those at the top. I have the rules of wrestling memorized more than I do the rule of golf because I've got to have that at recall. I've right. got to be able to explain to the coaches right then and there because we don't have timeouts and we don't have replay like collegiate wrestling does. So it's a little easier to make a golf ruling uh, than it is a wrestling ruling. Did you learn that golf ruling the hard way, or did somebody tell you early on in your career that this is the way to do it? It was an it was an instructor uh, at the uh, at, at Port St. Lucie, Florida, mm-hmm. where the PGA uh, uh, does their education center at. Um, he's the one that said it to our entire group. We probably had 250 people sitting in a room doing education, and he said it. And I literally have used that exact same advice from that day, which was 2003, and I've used it for 18 years. Now you've been at Oxbow since 2018, and you took over when the course was just finishing a long-term renovation. How has it grown up? What's it like now as we get into 2021? Uh, it's come along great. I mean, as, as you know, uh, we just got rated number one course in the state by Golf Digest, and our our members and our team members out here as well are really excited and happy about that. With all the work that was put in and the five years that we dealt with transitioning from an old course to an old and a new course to a completely full new course. So the only thing that we have that uh, hasn't really come completely through is uh, our third and fourth hole are still cart path only. Mm -hmm. Third hole will come off of cart path only here probably at the end of the month. Our fourth hole will probably be at the end of June. And it's just, for some reason, those two holes, they, they, they won't completely fill in with grass, but if you look at it from the road, you can't even tell there's an issue. And if you get on top of it, it's only in certain spots that it's maybe like the size of a half dollar. There won't be some grass in a couple areas. It's right. just, we want to make sure it completely comes in and it's mature before we put carts out there. But it's, I mean, even with that being the case, Jeff, it's come through phenomenally. Um, you would not think that this golf course is only about three years old if you came out and played it. I mean, it is so mature for the age that it's been growing. It's, it's amazing. Designed by Robert Trent Jones Jr., the same firm that really designed the place way back in the 1970s. Since the 18 has been open, have there been any changes since? Was there any adjustment to say, you know, this hole isn't quite what we thought or we needed to do this? In reality, the only thing that we've done physically to the golf course is we created some uh, some tees that were 
shorter for the people who play the silver keys. That could be women, mm-hmm. beginners, juniors. Um, we do have junior and beginner keys that are even shorter than that, but we found there were three or four holes that were just too long for the people who are playing those tees. So what we did is we just made new tee boxes on those holes to shorten them up to the distance that they felt was appropriate for their level of play. But other than that, no, we have not done anything at all. Um, you know, the, what we've done is we've, we've had to re-handicap uh, holes because as we've built more data and more data up, um, you know, when we opened up, we had old holes that we were playing and we had new holes that we were playing. And then when we opened up the second nine, well, then we had to figure out how that was going to come in. So we kind of had to guess on the handicap holes for that. And then after two years, did another adjustment this winter. And then we've changed, we changed some combo tees up as well. Moved mm-hmm. like a gold, if we have a gold blue combo, we move a gold tee to a blue tee and then change on another hole, a blue tee to a gold tee. Just some minor adjustments there as, you know, you're going through a learning process of a new golf course. And those are just some of the things that you encounter when you do that. Corey Herrickson, head professional at Oxbow Country Club in South Fargo, is our guest on the golf show here on KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. Corey, the old front nine, have you gandered over the, the levee there? The What's it looking like now? I'm just curious. Jeff, it is a strange world when you take a look over there. Um, you know, part of that, them taking over the lower bowl area of the golf course was because they wanted to reclaim uh, wetlands mm-hmm. that they had lost. Uh, due to where the diversion is going to be. So in doing so, what they had to do was cut a hole in the dike that we had built down there to keep the water out from flooding. They cut a hole in the dike, and then they had to remove all non-native trees. So all the evergreens that are down there have been pulled. And I don't know if they pulled any other deciduous trees, but I know the evergreens have gone. Really? And then they've had to start, yeah, they've had to start digging out, um, like people remember it, Old Four Fairway, old six fairway yep. and portions of one in 18 to allow the water to backflow um, and not pond up. Hmm. So it's more of a natural water flow from that. So if you go back there and look at it, it looks significantly different. You can still see, okay, this is where 18 was and this is where six was because you can see the areas where there's not trees, but the whole topography back there has significantly changed. That's interesting. They took out the trees. I never would have guessed that. And the reason I suppose is some environmental, obviously. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I look over there and I have my thought was like, why are they even moving the dirt around? And then someone explained to me, well, they want a natural water flow back there. Cause I thought, God, we're, you know, they're just work moving dirt, yeah. but they're doing it for a reason. And yeah, that's the exact reason. It's just to try to get it back to the wetlands so you can have nature take its course back there with animals and wildlife and, uh, you know, with, uh, with, uh, plants and things of that nature. So. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak. We're going to take a break. More with Corey Herlickson right after this. You gotta get up in the morning and head out to the practice range. Get up in the morning, head out to the practice range. Welcome back to the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Ultra. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. 740thefan.com is the web address. Corey Herlickson is the head professional at Oxbow, has been there since 2018. And by the way, took over from a legend. How's that gone, Corey? Uh, you know, you're taking over John Dahl, it's like, you know, following um, uh, the Yankees' murder's row. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's gone really well. John and I had a, 
uh, a good relationship before I came out here, and it's uh, we've worked well together. You know, he's the old wise sage that I lean on for mm-hmm. questions that I can't figure out. He's been very helpful with me for that. I'm obviously never going to fill his shoes in regard to an instruction side of, of golf. I'm, I'm more of an operations, merchandising. I still do instruction, but that's not where my passion is. It's, it's in the golf operations and merchandising and tournaments and things of that nature. So, you know, he continues to uh, to teach out here with us, uh, which, you know, is a phenomenal resource to have. We've got four instructors out here, and one of them is a top 100 guy, and it's fun to go out and watch him teach. So transition's been been great. Um, you know, just thankful for the help and, and advice he's been able to provide for me as I've continued to grow out here. Good instructors really are amazing to me. To able to pick out whether it's a hand position, like – they see a, a swing in, in real time, and I'm going, and how do you pick stuff out? I think it's a gift. I don't know how else to explain it. It really is. It is. I mean, you know, the, the, I don't have that gift to be able to pick things out right away as far as, like, a swing is concerned. Uh, what I do uh, for that is I just put it on my phone in slow mo and just kind of reverse it back and forth in slow motion to see what's going on. And, and people who have an eye for that, they've got a passion for wanting to do that, to want to stand out on the tee and teach for seven, eight hours in a row, you know, out in the sun and the wind, mm-hmm. the heat and the humidity. And they care deeply about helping golfers improve. You know, John is always walking the tee when Kindred High School comes out, the boys or girls team, seeing what he can do to help out the uh, the golfers on the teams. Um, you know, he, I asked him for a, a phone number of a, a buddy of his mm-hmm. who's down in Texas, and he sent me it written on a napkin, and the napkin was sitting on top of a book, and the book was about the golf swing. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, how long has John taught for? Forever. And he yeah. still yeah. reads the books about golf. He still reads magazines about golf. He still watches YouTube channels about golf swing. I mean, he is deeply embedded in that, and it proves itself out in, in his clients and the history of successful golfers that he's put out. If I won $100 million, I'd pay John Dahl to, to walk along two times a week with me and help me out. I just I think the guy is, is just tremendous. It is PGA Tournament weekend at Kiowa Island, South Carolina, the Ocean Course. 7,800 yards, Corey. 7,800 yards, the longest course in, in major history. That, to me, is just, I mean, at what point do you, is too much too much, but... Uh, your thoughts and opinions on, on 7,800 course and, and add to that the wind by the ocean. Yeah, I was just about to say, Jeff, 7,800 at sea level. But we're here in Fargo, and we're at roughly 900 feet. You go from 900 feet in elevation to sea level and on the ocean with the humidity, it's a club and a half to two clubs more that you that have much? to get wow. playing, that, yes, playing that golf course. It's a lot. So think about that, a 7,800-yard course, playing it two clubs longer. I mean, clearly these guys hit the ball a very long way, and that's a way that you manage a score Mm -hmm. to make it so it's not 24 under par as you lengthen it out. The unfortunate side of it is for people who are not necessarily long ball hitters, it makes it very difficult for them to have any success unless they're striking the ball very well with their irons because they're going to be hitting irons that are two clubs more than the long ballers are hitting in. And they've got to be putting because they're not going to be hitting them as close as those long ballers are too. So for the bombers, I mean, my prediction is look at the top 15, 
guys that hit the ball a long way, it's going to be one of those people, in my opinion, that's going to win this thing because you've got to hit the ball a long way to uh, get around this golf course. It's a very hard golf course. I think the slope rating from the back tees is like 157. Yeah, 155. 155, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> impossible. I didn't, I didn't know they went that high, <laughs> really. I mean, oh. uh, how, how how far can you tip out Oxbow? Oh, um, I, you know, if we stock do our stock tees, black tees, we're at 7,300. But if we wanted to play it longer, we could pull the tees, you know, to the back of the box. Mm-hmm. And we could actually take a good example. If people have played out here, we've got hole number 11 is a par four. That's a dog leg left. That is on the very south side of our golf course up along the, the levee. Yep. And then hole number 16 is goes in the opposite direction towards the west. Well, we could easily take the tee boxes from 11 and make a black tee on 11 for hole 16. And we could do likewise with hole 11 using 16's tee box and make that black. So if we wanted to play this thing at 7,600, 7,700, we could make it happen. Is there still thoughts? I know there's been some some rumors out there, and I don't know if you want to address it on the radio, but I know getting a professional tournament like the Sanford International has been – uh, in in the in the talks, at least with the Sanford people, of moving it here. Anything you care to share lately with that on that side? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tournament director and assistant tournament director, uh, Jake Brewster, is uh, Jake or Josh. I'm trying to plank. I, <laughs> yep. I know two brothers who were named Jake and Josh that golfed at the Meadows, so I always get confused. The tournament director's name. They came up. They visited the clubhouse in uh, in uh, February. Want to take a look at the facility. Obviously, they couldn't look at the course. Um, and so we had discussions with them then. They really liked the clubhouse. Uh, they thought that it was a, a good-sized clubhouse that for what they would need. Um, the next thing that they need to do is come take a look at the golf course and drive around and see uh, if there's anything that needs to be done to the course to uh, have it here. There hasn't been any negotiations or anything of that nature, more of a inquiry, getting to know each other. Talking. One of the important things is talking about sponsorships because it's a PGA tour uh, run event, even though it's champions tour and PGA tours, big thing mm-hmm. is raising money for uh, charities within the community and can Fargo sustain the uh, sponsorship dollars that they're going to look for uh, in order to drive donations to the charities in the Fargo Moorhead West Fargo area. So mm-hmm. uh, some of our members that have been involved with it feel very confident um, with the relationships that they have and the businesses they know that uh, it is something that we could do. So I know that we're very excited at the possibility of it happening okay. between our membership and our board and our general manager, Steady Halverson. Um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing if this advances a little bit further, but uh, it's in the hands of the tournament director and what they want to do moving forward at this okay. point. All right. Well, keeping your on out for that, that's, uh, that's exciting news. At least it's a possibility on moving that tournament here. Speaking of difficult courses, we were talking about Kiowa, and it's number one in the most difficult course rated by Golf Digest. Corey, you've been around. Name a couple of your couple courses that you played or have seen that rank up there among the toughest. Uh, I'd have to say the hardest one I've ever played is Pinehurst number two. I mean, that golf course, you want to test the game golf, holy smokes. I mean, <laughs> it's, not because it's, it's, not, it's not because it was long. We didn't play from the back tees. I played it the summer before the U.S. Open was there, mm-hmm. uh, the one that um, – that uh, Martin Keimer one. Yes. And uh, uh, we played from 
I'm trying to think. We didn't even play from the second back tees. We played from the third back tees. It was really humid, and the ball just didn't carry there. I was hitting two clubs more there, too, from the humidity. Um, you know, if you don't hit the ball in the right spot on the green at Pioneer's number two, it rolls off, and it typically rolls downhill. And I, I, I hit a lot of hybrid from off the green just trying to putt the ball back up rather than trying to hit wedges because the turf was so tight. You know, you got waste bunkers all over the place. Um, and it's a lot like, you know, Kiel is in like that similar nature where there's a lot of waste bunker, a lot of longer grass. If you hit the ball wayward, you're really going to be punished. Um, it, it's just, it tests your game. And when you're done, it questions whether you want to play another round of golf again sometime. <laughs> that, by the way, is number 32 on the Golf Digest list. So you got 31 courses that are considered tougher than that. So yeah, amazing. That's insane. Play it forward, I guess. In, the, in this 50, it, play it forward. <laughs> absolutely. And that's what we did. I mean, it was four golf professionals that went down there, and we literally played it from about 6,300 yards because we just said, we do not want to get throttled that bad. I played uh, my toughest course. I played, uh, I think it's either Big Blue or Wildcat at the University of Kentucky a day after the Southeastern Conference Championships, and they, they had yet to address the rough. And so anything off the fairway into the rough, it was just get my sand wedge out and get it out of there. It, it, it just, I mean, it was almost unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when they roll that rough up, man. It is, it's extremely penal. I mean, I remember, I, I remember playing Lincoln Golf Course up in uh, Grand Forks when I was a kid, and there was a lot of trees, and sometimes they couldn't get the mowers in between the trees, you know, and after you get those June rains, when yeah. it rains and rains and rains in May and June, man, I remember hitting balls into that rough on uh, hole, between hole four and five and just sometimes not even being able to get uh, seven iron out of that thing. <laughs> just like you said, you grab a sandwich, hack it out, and take your lookings and go from there. If you were to land the Sanford International, would you have to address the rough? How long do you have to let that grow? This, you know, it's jurisdicted by the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that occurs, I know this because when I was at TBC Las Vegas, we hosted, uh, the Las Vegas Invitational there. Um, they set up an agronomy schedule for you, uh, a year in advance and say, these are the things we want you to do on these dates. And they set mow heights for everything. Um, typically ours is at two and a half inches. Um, my guess would be they may want it longer, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't going to be a problem if we host it in September, which is typically when that Sanford thing was held is held down in Sioux Falls because it's cool. Grass grows like crazy. It's wet. Wouldn't be a problem. You know, I could see them going to three and a half inches, um, adding an extra inch on that to make it a little more difficult easily. Awesome. Well, we'll see how that goes. Corey, I always appreciate you joining the golf show and best luck this spring and summer. And I I know that course is going to do great. Jeff, great to be on. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Have yourself a great weekend. You you too. Thanks. That's Corey Herlickson, head professional at Oxbow Country Club. That'll do it for the first half hour of the golf show as presented by Michelob Baltar. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tim Doppler, he's the executive director of the North Dakota Golf Association. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is the golf show as presented by Michelob Baltar. This is Jeff Kopak, your host. Thanks again for Corey Herlickson for joining us for a few minutes. Oxbow off to... A great start. Before we talk to Tim Doppler, I do want to mention this, that the Roger Maris Celebrity Golf Tournament is back. 37th time, but back after taking last year off, of course. A lot of tournaments took the year off. It's going to be an 18-hole tournament on June 17th, and then a 9-hole scramble, which is new, a 9-hole scramble. And that 
will be at Osgood Golf Course. So a little different twist to the Roger Maris tournament this year. But good to see that back. And good to see golf back. And somebody who can really attest to that is the executive director of the North Dakota Golf Association. His name is Tim Doppler. He joins us for a few minutes on a Saturday morning. Tim, how's it going? It's going great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You know, uh, I think the resurgence of golf has has been a, a pretty big story, not only this year, but last year. And I know I had you on my show last year, but how has it been across the state? What's your what's your vibe on on the state of golf so far? You know, last year it was one of those few things that people could do safely, um, and we really saw numbers just go through the roof as far as play goes across the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this year with the start of a kind of a weird spring, you know, a little cool and and pretty dry, um, the numbers have have surprisingly responded and they are even growing. I mean, we're, we're seeing folks here in, in our area and, you know, with our events, uh, as far as registrations go, just going through the roof. Um, you know, we, we got that state scramble that we just finished this last weekend, that registration filled in 11 minutes, 11 minutes, 72, 72 teams in 11 minutes. And I had 10 folks on the waiting list waiting to get into that tournament. So golf is back and it is going really, really strong. 11 minutes this is like a radio station contest or, or it's like getting <laughs> tickets for frisco in 2011 for bison football fans i've never heard yeah, of that something else. yeah it's just it's one of the you know it kicks off the season and we go over to medora and you know the, those guys kind of have the town to themselves have a couple of days of really great golf on that golf course and and uh it's super popular so bully pulpit's undergoing a renovation and i think they're working through that and it's one of the premier courses in the state so how's bully how's bully looking what do you hear you know we were there this weekend um they're behind you know it actually kind of looks like early spring for those guys right now they've been really cold uh haven't really had the sustained overnight low overnight lows that are mm-hmm. that are warm enough to keep grass going and stuff like that so um with this warmer temperature this week and, and just starting kind of this last weekend they're going to get going really really good but uh, the new holes that they've got going are going to be fantastic. Um, and it's going to take a little while to get that thing, you know, all finished. But uh, I would say by, you know, later this summer, that place is going to be the place to go play. It always does take a little bit, certainly with renovations. And in and, and, and Fargo, of course, <laughs> we are the masters of renovations around here. I mean, and dealing with flood issues and, and we know what's going on. I think they're dealing, that's to get away from the little Missouri, correct, with, with Bully? It is for those guys. Yeah, they had, uh, you know, that once those mountain mountain snows would melt, the, the little mow would fill up and, and get, you know, knock those two par fives that ran along the river, knock those out. So they built a huge dike and uh, they're built, I think they ended up building four new holes. So um, all that stuff is pretty much done. We saw those guys raking them out. It's cool to see those holes get built. Yeah. Uh, they were raking everything out, getting ready to seed this, this, this week. So going to be awesome. We got some rain finally late in the week this week, and I think it was much needed around here, certainly for the farmers and, of course, golf courses. What's the state of moisture across golf courses in North Dakota? You know, it's a recurring theme. Everything's so dry. Um, you know, and folks that have irrigation, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously using it as much as they possibly can. But, you know, with the way the ground is so dry, it's so hard um, to get that water to just, you know, really soak in and stay. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a constant battle. I know, you know, as I run the golf operations in Bismarck, um, we run our irrigation about 12 hours a night. Wow. And, you know, you just, you just don't get that, uh, really softening of the ground. You are seeing the grass just pop like crazy, but 
um, you just don't have enough time to, to really get enough water on the ground. The uh, kind of reminds me, and this just hit me about no water and water in the greens. And I have this idea, Tim, and maybe you could help me out, but I, I want to do a little tour of the last sand green golf courses in Fargo. And Greg McCullough, the head pro at Edgewood, and I were talking about doing this because Greg grew up on a sand green in, near Hope, North Dakota. And I believe okay. there's one in Leeds, there's one in Maddock, and there's one somewhere else. And I want to do a tour and do a big story on that uh, for my job as a sports writer. Is that about right in your mind? Do you know Do you know any other sand courses? I thought there was only those two left. Okay, there could be. Um, yep. I'm not sure if there's a third one. But, but yeah, I remember playing, you know, you know as we – as we um, used to travel a little bit around our area, we had a sand green place right over here at New Salem. We'd go over there and, and play, and and even when Mott um, go over there and play, and you know how you used to, they used to be oiled, and you break <laughs> out your putting line and yeah. and put it into a metal cup, and it was it was really fun. I've never played a sand green. In fact, I don't even know. I've I've, I've never seen one, and, and so oh, is that right? Yeah, and and I'm. It's not like I'm like 25 years old either. I've been around a while, so. <laughs> Goes to show you how uh, neglected I have been with the sand. If anybody out there knows if there's another sand green course out there, text three five two seven zero. That's the text club at here at that seven forty. The fan. That's three five two seven zero, and just say attention golf show. There's a sand green course at wherever. So I guess you know we'll find out soon enough because the signal reaches a long way. Tim, uh, youth golf. Where are we at in the state? How how are the programs doing? You know, the youth golf has done so well. We we did uh, another big round of grants for the North Dakota Golf Association. Uh, gave away $13,000 again this year um, to the to the golf courses that have applied for grants. And uh, we're seeing such tremendous growth. You know, in that Osgood program that Lisa Schwinden runs, um, Oxbow got a nice grant for the, for the junior golf tournaments or junior golf uh, things that they're running. And then... Uh, you know, we run our Dakota Junior Golf Tour, and there's a couple tours over there in Fargo and Grand Forks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that we've got that's going to be super, super cool again this year, like we did last year with the state tournament, we're going to let the Class A's and the Class B's battle it off here at Riverwood um, June 14th and 15th for a for an overall state championship. So uh, that's going to be awesome as well. We had 150 players last year, and we're going to open it up to all the players, so we're hoping to get that kind of number again. Wow, yeah, and that th- I thought – uh, the organizers last year did a tremendous job of, of that, d- dealing with the pandemic and saying, you know what, guys, we can, we can have a championship here. And I thought what they did was tremendous. And so it's continuing. Yeah, that's Chris Geis and his yes. crew just did yep. an amazing job. And, and we're going to work with those guys again um, to get this thing, you know, to, to really go big. And uh, it's going to be a great couple of days of golf. Tim Doppler is the executive director of the North Dakota Golf Association, joins us on The Fan on 740, The Fan AM and 107.3 FM. Tim, uh, how's Bismarck doing? How are the courses out there? You know, we've really seen amazing, amazing turnaround. You know, we were we were a little brown and, and dry, but um, with this warm temperature, I mean, Riverwood is just in absolute phenomenal shape. Uh, greens have just really responded to some fertilizing that we've done. And we had a little bit of rain about 10 days ago. So um, things have, have been really, really good that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know speaking to folks about like Hawk Tree and, and the folks over in Mandan, I know those golf courses have, have really, really greened up. And and uh, one good thing kind of about greens, you know, the, or dry conditions is greens get really good. You know, because right. they, they actually will get a little stressed out and they'll go down for more water and, and they get really healthy. Um, 
and they get really, really fast at this time of the year too. So people love really good greens, and, and we've got them out here in the West. I played Hawk Tree, oh, I don't know, about a month ago when it was early spring and it was pretty brown and dry. And I felt like maybe the road hole over in Ireland or something like that, that just, it just ran forever. But, and yeah. that course is just tremendous, though. Once it greens up, there's nothing better. Yeah, it's a really good place to play. How's that? Yeah, how about Riverwood, Pebble, Pebble Creek, Tom O'Leary? Everybody's doing really, really good. We, you know, we, Saw a little bit because we did. We had an open winter. Saw a little bit of that winter kill, but uh, now with this heat, we're getting all that stuff to kind of grow in and fill in. So, um, and uh, you know, the really fun thing about spring is to see those leaves come on the cottonwoods, and, and we're really um, starting to see those things fill in. So, we're in amazing shape on all three golf courses, and and uh, looking forward to people getting out here and enjoying the a great great game of golf. This is the golf show as presented by Michael Obaltra. This is Jeff Kopak. We're going to take a break when we come back. More with Tim Doppler right after this. Did you hit it twice? Welcome back. Final segment on the golf show is presented by Michelob Ultra here at KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios in Fargo. This is the the fan, 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. Tim Doppler is the guest. He is the executive director of the North Dakota Golf Association. Of course, uh, it's not a rookie crew, the NDGA. The mission to foster, promote, and conserve the true spirit and best interests in the game of golf in the state of North Dakota as embodied in its ancient and honorable traditions. Those are some pretty cool words. Did you write that? <laughs> I help, yeah. Yeah, you help. That's very good. What you do, and I want to get into uh, these factors, conduct 11 championships for golfers of all ages. And what does that mean? What what championships? So we, we start with... Um you know, our juniors and, and we run a couple of events for the junior championships, um, that big, huge state championship that we run. Mm-hmm. And then we allow 14, any kids 14 and over to play in our regular championships. And we have three divisions that we run, Jeff, um, open division. Anybody can play in that. We play that at about 6,800 yards of, uh, of championship golf. And then we've got a mid-am division, 30 years and older can play in the mid-am division at about 6,300 yards of golf. Mm-hmm. And then we run a senior division. Um, and then those, you know, we get all kinds of ages that play in all kinds of levels, you know, because we do handicap our events. So folks can use their handicap and compete fairly with everybody else. And we really encourage everybody to support the NDGA and the USGA and uh, keep golf fair with getting a gin. You know, go to your local golf course and, and get that handicap going. And, and uh, you know, you'll be able to keep compete against the, the really good players with your higher handicap. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And all those uh, proceeds that we get, we return right back into junior golf grants. Speaking of funding and scholarships for junior golfers, I know you mentioned that earlier in the show. You fund organizations and other programs. How much money are we talking about here? What does the NDGA disperse in a year, if you know? You know, we, we never say no to anybody that really needs money that, um, is working with junior golf kids, you know, to get those kids on the golf courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in past years, we've actually given a little bit more. We actually were down a little bit as far as the money that we gave this year. So normally we give around $15,000 a year. We, we, we gave about 13000 this year um, to, a, I think it was 12 different organizations. That's awesome. In, and I, I like this line here, and I don't know how you can really uh, put it in a data, but to provide avenues to life lessons golf teaches. What does that mean to you? I just think, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm biased because this has been a profession of mine, you know, and really a vocation. I believe that 
um, I've had for a long, long time, 32 years in the business. And, uh, you know, nothing teaches you more about a person than watching them play golf. You know, you, you see the people that, that play by the rules, you know, they honor this game, they honor the golf course. We all, one of the things that we try to get our young folks to do is to, to leave the golf course better than you found it. Um, play it as you find it and just leave it in better shape. You know, fix a couple extra ball marks, rake that bunker. Somebody that missed their footsteps, they can, you can rake their bunker out too. And, and uh, you really see the, the true character of a person, whether or not they're, they're playing by the rules and, and doing the right things. And, and, uh, and you want to keep the people around you that are doing the right things and, and try to correct the people that aren't. I, I like the honesty factor. And my dad taught me this playing as a kid way back when, and he made me count every stroke, whether it's El Zago or maybe as I got older, we'd zip down to Riverwood or wherever, but count every stroke, count every penalty stroke. No, it, 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 that's not good. And it used to make my mom mad because he always beat me until I got better at the game. But I, I treat yeah. the game the same with my kids in that we count every stroke. No, uh, it's not just you don't get another shot. I mean, I don't get, you know, all hot and bothered about it, but it's just a matter of fact. This is how you play the game. And I think that's important. It's so important. You know, one of the things that I'd like to tell our high school kids that come out here and I always try to get a little, a little time with each team. Um, and I just talk about, you know, the, your, your character is something that you'll always have and your reputation is something that you need to continue to build from the point that you walk onto the golf course to the, as a, as a young, young person playing in current in competitions um, everybody remembers somebody that cheats. You know, we just, I, I, I still remember kids that, you know, have, have shaved strokes off their scores. And, you know, those are people that you just always kind of watch out for and, and you just never forget that. So your character and your reputation is something that sticks with you forever. And just, I always tell those kids, you know, make, make sure that you're not the kid that people remember you for doing something bad. So right. make sure that you take care of the golf course, take care of your, your reputation and, uh, Play game, play the game fairly. Right, and amen to that. And I'll add something else to that. I think it teaches you discipline in how to handle failure because golf is again, it's like baseball. If you if you hit a, if you're a 300 hitter, you failed 70 percent of the time. And in golf, a successful shot doesn't happen every time. Obviously, I think it teaches you how to handle those situations and and not get hot and bothered, like I said, and not lose your cool. And I think that's that's another huge benefit of golf that I think gets overlooked. Absolutely. You know, and I teach quite a bit too. And, and you know, the things that, that we manage, we don't manage the great shots that we hit. You know, the so much of the, what we're doing on that golf course is managing the misses. You know, where can we hit that golf ball in a safe position to ensure that we're going to make a score that's that's kind of acceptable in our, in our, and at our ability level. So mm-hmm. um, it's just, such a great game because those great shots that we hit are fleeting. They run away from us so often (laughs) and we chase and chase and chase those pure shots. But um, we know where to kind of, as you get more and more experience, we know where to miss things and we know where our misses go. And uh, we can still make really, really good scores because we understand that we've got that character that can, can kind of get us through that stuff. Tim Doppler is the executive director of the North Dakota golf association joins us on the golf show. This is Jeff Kopak. Just a couple minutes left with Tim. Tim, before I let you go, I need to get your answer to this, and I talked with Corey Herlickson earlier on this. It's PGA weekend, and they're playing at Kiowa Ocean Course in South Carolina, playing at 7,800 yards at sea level with wind. 
I don't know what else you can throw at a golfer to make it tougher. Toughest course you played on would be what? If you to if you were to say this is the hardest thing I've ever played in this country. You know, honestly, the toughest and I think the the best uh, golf course that we've got in our state and one of the best courses I've ever played and definitely in my top three is the links in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, just an absolute wonderful test of golf. Uh, you can play it way back there, you know, and I think that stretches out, you know, 71, 7,200 yards. But uh, when that wind comes off of Lake, Lake, Lake Sakakawea and, and you're standing there, you know, on, on hole 17, you got that little Island green down below you about a hundred feet and you got to hit a golf shot into that North wind. And, uh, you know, kind of hope, hope, and hope that that thing is going to get in play. Um, you know, just a, a true test of your metal, and and absolutely just a gem for our state of North Dakota. Oh, there's a couple of views in that course. I just sat there and went, "Wow, I, I never thought I would see this." <laughs> I love it up. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, just the lake and, and and just the sheer beauty. So, if anybody, if you haven't played the links, and of course, there's there's the Western North Dakota tour. I can encourage you. Take the time, take a weekend, and do it. You'll, you you will not be disappointed. Tim, I appreciate the time. Nothing yep, nothing better. Tim, appreciate the time as always. Um, again, all your work you've done with NDGA, it's uh, it's much appreciated in the game of golf. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good weekend. And before we leave you, I'd like to get in a, a couple announcements on golf, on the world of golf here in the Red River Valley. The Zebras Ryder Cup, this is a benefit for the family of Dave Clunt, and he's a well-known referee in the area. Dave, uh, his fellow refs are putting on tournament at Maple River June 30th. Uh, check that out. It's a two-person team Ryder Cup format, so that's really cool. That'll be out at Maple River on June 30th. And also, I want to register for that, uh, Chris Heisey, C. E-H-I-S-E, C-H-E-I-S-E at AMFAM, A-M-F-M dot com. So check that tournament out. And also our pros, as as Tom and Amy are back in the flow of things this weekend, Tom is earnings to date $1.198 million. That's 11 to 23 cuts made. Tom's having another successful year. like to see him get on a roll again. It's golf, it's cyclical, and Tom usually gets going in the summer. So we'll see how he does in the next month or two. And Amy... Six of seven cuts made. The LPGA doesn't get going until January, so that's a reason there's there's fewer tournaments. Amy, 217194 on the money list and playing in the Pure Silk tournament out in, on the East Coast this weekend. She's really going to get into the heart of her schedule now with the, with the LPGA. The Bank of Hope Classic is May 26th to 30th. Now it shifts from Williamsburg, Virginia this weekend to Las Vegas next weekend. The U.S. Women's Open is June 3rd to 6th in San Francisco, followed by the LPGA Medial Championship in California, followed by the, and it's back to Michigan. I know this is a course Amy likes to play, the Meyer LPGA Classic. That's June 17th to 20th. And then the KPMG Women's PGA, another major for the women. That's in the middle of June, June 24th to 27th out in California. So a lot of travel ahead for the Fargo golfer, Amy Olson. And we're hoping Tom really gets going on his, um, and he gets going, he's already won over a million dollars. So that's a, that, that's a huge success. That'll do it for this edition of the golf show. This is Jeff Kopak. Thanks again for Corey Herlickson for joining us in the first half of the show. And, of course, Tim Doppler with his yearly visit to 
the golf show with Jeff Kopak. Stay tuned for Tita Green. That's Dan, the common man, Cole, and his golf show. He's been around as long as I have, if not longer. This is Jeff Kopak. Until next week, hit him straight. Thanks for listening to The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austeds Golf. Join us next Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. for another edition of The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on The Fan.